and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the spectral Matt. Hello there. Well then, uh, I feel like it's uh, I've not spoken to you in ages, Matt. Yeah, it's one day later than normal. Yeah, it's weird how that's just completely thrown me off. It's it's a special uh, late-night sexy episode this week, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is for us as we're recording this. We're doing it on a Monday night. Yeah. It's the latest we've recorded for a long time. Day after Valentine's Day. Did you have a pleasant <laughs> Valentine's Day? Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, I was, we were looking after a toddler for most of it. And uh, I'll be honest, both my partner and I are deeply unromantic people. <laughs> we don't do a lot to uh, acknowledge uh, Valentine's Day. You, you not get a treat? No flowers, no card. We, uh, I, I, I made a pancakes. Oh, you big softy! I knew you'd yeah. have done something. <laughs> but that's it. We don't do cards or or extravagant gifts or anything like that. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, not not to knock anyone who does do that. It's you know everyone's different, aren't they? But yeah, we are. We we we're just not romantic people. You just got to tell um, your partner you care. That's all that matters, really, isn't it? Indeed, indeed. Indeed. Um, did you get up to anything? Uh, we went for a lovely walk. We went around mm. Fountains Abbey. Oh, lovely. I love Fountains Abbey. I, I do, but my favourite bit is the water gardens. Oh, yeah. The follies. And they, they were all frozen. Yeah. Oh, wow, of course, yeah, because yeah. we've, we've been having some, some really cold weather up here recently. Yeah, it's been pretty um, bonkers. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I'm really partial to a good folly, so yeah. I love, I love that that part of the uh, of the grounds. Uh, have you ever been to Hackful Woods? No, I don't think oh, so. Some of the best follies in North Yorkshire, right? In Hackful I'll take Woods. Your word so, for that. Yeah, but yeah, it was yeah. nice. Listeners, do do let us know if you're partial to a folly as well. Yeah. It's a weird thing, but I genuinely. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's one of those things that I I pay far too much attention to. So, uh, yeah. Right. Is there anything you want to add to the running order this week? I won't lie. I've got quite a bit. Well, well, I suggest I just let you let you rattle on with it. Then, uh, Matt, I don't think I've got any pressing issues other than the fact we should probably mention up top as we we try to do. Uh, we're talking about under the lake this week. Um, we are. We're not doing the second part, and nope. uh, I'll talk more about that when we when we get to it. I think in in hindsight that was actually a good choice. But, um, yeah, uh, go on then. Let's see if we crack an hour of pre-Doctor Who pointless blather. (laughs) Right, well, I wouldn't call this pointless blather, David. Okay, go uh, for it. Because our friends at the Married to Who podcast have welcomed a second baby this week. Pod Baby 2. So I'm just going to put pointless blather next to where I've written that (laughs) in the running order. Thank you. (laughs) Ah, well, that's 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 wonderful news. It's it's you know the world needs more good people, and I'm sure Pod Baby Two will be a good person. How how do you feel about the fact they've called it Colony Sarf? <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously they they're they're bigger Doctor Who fans than you at this point. <laughs> yeah, I wondered whether they'd called it Davros, and I was quickly corrected. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Colony Saf is quite a good name to be fair. Not for it's a baby. A Not for it. a baby. Yeah, but it's a name you can grow into, isn't it? 
I don't know. Could you imagine, like... I mean, if you were a bunch of snakes, you could definitely grow into it. Yeah, but if you <laughs> went to your local supermarket and you heard on the tannoy, like, staff announcement, can colony staff please come to the customer service desk? How, I'd be how... like... Yeah, I, I, I'd be like, that's fantastic. I want to meet this person. No. Colony staff That's a name. Suppose they could call him Col for short and people would just think it's Colin. Yeah. So but yeah, go. a huge congratulations to our friends at Marito. Yeah, uh, yeah. Good luck with the, with the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I did wonder whether you were going to talk about the burdens of fatherhood. I, I questioned whether I was going to mention that. I was like, every time we do, David just goes, "Oh yeah, uh, I'm crippled by the the rigors of fatherhood." <laughs> I, you make it sound like I get no joy out of it. I, I, it's not, not me that makes that. it sound that way. <laughs> it's just tiring, is all I'm saying. Right. Right. So again, we, if, we are like, saying if congratulations. If you enjoy doing things that aren't raising children, good luck with that. Yeah. Like I <laughs> yeah, say, sorry, it's, all, it's all about the dink lifehood. Uh, lifestyle, sorry. Yeah. Dink. Double income, no kids. Me and my wife just do what we want. I mean, it, uh, I'm trying to think of, of an acronym for smug. Because that's uh, what I call that. The smug lifestyle. Yeah, just the dink. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, yeah, what's what's the next item on the uh, agenda then? We also need to acknowledge that another friend of the show, Ollie is launching his own Doctor Who podcast in the coming weeks. I think he's recorded yep. episode one. Uh, it might have come out by the time this episode comes out. But, uh, again, he's sort of a friend through Married to Who. He contributes to their show quite a lot, so give that a listen. I think yeah. it's called Companion Peace. Uh, Excellent. You'll be able to find it through our Twitter, but give it a listen. It's probably a lot better than ours. I shall have to... Uh, add it to my list of far too many Doctor I, Who podcasts that I'm subscribed to. I did send him a message saying, you know, good luck, looking forward to hearing it. And he was like, oh, I hope to follow your example. Imagine that. Oh, no, that's that's not the way to go, guys. No, no. <laughs> Stay clear of sausage rolls, all right? That's our territory. <laughs> Speaking of which, do we have a sausage roll update? We do, we do. Uh, I have found... Some pretty expensive sausage rolls this week, David. <laughs> Have you? Is that really yeah. what you've been putting your time and effort into? No, just sort of... Always, always got one eye out for expensive sausage rolls. Could I yeah. interest you in six sausage rolls for £12? You could not, to be honest. I would, I would never willingly spend... Uh, go into double figures for sausage rolls. Okay. So I suppose you don't want an £18 sausage roll <laughs> log... Uh, a sausage roll what, sorry? Sausage roll log. I think it's a bit like a beef wellington, but with sausage. I mean, that's a lot of sausage roll, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess the thing is, at a certain point, you have to kind of figure out how much bang for your buck are you getting. Like, what, per gram, how much are you uh, paying? I, I can tell you the... Hold on. Um, it's 850 grams, and it serves eight. Mm. So, I mean, when you think about it in those terms, it's not outrageous. But also, it's more sausage roll than anyone needs. Yeah, it's 47.2 grams of sausage roll each. 
but my friend and yours, Marty McLean, got in touch. Yeah. Because uh, obviously we questioned the price of Australian sausage rolls. Yes. And he said the the most expensive Australian sausage roll is $20. So that won't be a million miles away from our 18 quid one. And right. that, But yeah. that's from the Sydney Opera House. Crikey. So and I, are you paying like sort of concession stand prices there, basically? Yeah. Captive market. Like, yeah, like I say, when me and my wife went to... Fountain Zabby, because it's a National Trust site. We went to the little cafe for a coffee. Yeah. They had a sausage roll that was £6.50. Yeah. No, I mean, and the thing is, because the National Trust is technically a charity, you feel like a right old skinflint begrudging the the prices they charge on the cafe. But having said that, oh boy, it ain't cheap. No, no. You know, you're paying paying a quid for 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 a little... Regular sized bag of, of Tyrrell's crisps or whatever. Yeah. Next time, it's definitely a flask and sandwich job. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely the way to go. Right. That leads us on to, nicely, meal of the week. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Right. And can I just say, after last week, where meal of the week was a barren plane for me, I have been spoilt for choice this week. <laughs> Do you want to kick us off then? Well, last Sunday, the day that we recorded, yeah, in the evening, I cooked some chimichurri beef tacos. Right, okay. What's and, chimichurri then? Uh, it's like a salsa of spring onions and coriander and bits and bobs. Mm, that sounds quite nice. Yeah, it was lovely. That would have been my winner for Meal of the Week. But then yeah. we got to Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Where I cooked, well, for breakfast on Valentine's, actually, we even had a special breakfast where I made uh, chocolate waffles with clotted cream and bananas. Yeah, very nice. But then for our big Valentine's meal, I cooked a tomahawk steak with red pepper and courgette tagine. Mm. And that is my meal of the week. That takes the prize, does it? Yeah. Yeah. What's a what's a tomahawk steak then? Basically, like a big, big lump of meat, mm-hmm. and it's called a tomahawk because it has the bone sticking out of it, so it looks like an axe. Right, so sort of like Flintstone style. Yeah, but here here is one of the problems because the usually at the butchers, I've always had them cut the bone short, mm-hmm. so basically it'll fit in the oven. But at my beloved Booth supermarket, they didn't. And I'm slightly worried they might have charged me for the full weight, even though it's got the weight of the bone in there. Mm. But that said, it wasn't that expensive. So, Well, there you go. Another shout-out for Booth's, eh? Uh, can I just talk about Booth's a second? Yeah, because I, I made a major error in judgment last week. Did you? Yeah. And I discovered it the hard way this week. I think last week I said Booth's was cheaper than Morrison's for booze. Uh-huh. And I said, oh, it's six beers for five pounds. Yeah. It isn't. It's six for the price of five. So you're paying full price for five beers and it costs an absolute <laughs> fortune. Like, I went I went again this weekend and I was like, why is this so expensive? I mean, I know it's booze, but I was like, I'm pretty certain I'd worked out how much it was going to cost. Yeah. No, it's not five for six pounds. It's five for the price of six. Ah, well, there you go. 
But yeah. But still, this... they do have a lovely selection of beers at Booze. Yeah, You've got I'm, to give them I'm up to 44 beers for the year now. Good lord. Um, and <laughs> you know, last week where I told a man he could squeeze the oranges for me to make some mm-hmm. juice. Yeah. This week, I just made a man grind some coffee beans for me. I didn't didn't even want it. I could have bought a bag of ground coffee, but I'm just a snob. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, to be, I, I can hardly uh, cast aspersions there because we actually have a coffee grinder at home. And oh, I've got one at home. Place. I could have bought the oh. beans. I just made the man do it because I was in boots. <laughs> that is... Uh, but, that's that dink lifestyle coming into, into play yeah. again, isn't it? <laughs> The final thing I want to say about booths, um, and again, I said this last week, but we had a problem with our recording, and we recorded the first five minutes twice, and I forgot to say this bit. There's a young man that works at booths in Ripon, who is, uh, he's just my favourite shop worker. Mm -hmm. He's just so sweet on the checkouts. I love him. Oh, well, that's lovely. Yeah. So if uh... you are listening, booths in Ripon... Uh, I didn't catch his name. I don't think he had a badge on. But yeah. you probably know who I'm talking about. Very softly spoken. Very sweet young man. Give him a bonus or a raise. or yeah. Let him squeeze the oranges for a day. I bet that's the best <laughs> job. It does sound pretty fun. Yeah. To be fair. So, your meal of the week, David. Right then. Well, I mean, last week I teased that we were probably going to be having a uh, takeaway from the Jaipur Spice this mm-hmm. week. Um, that did in fact come to fruition that very evening. Okay. I was just like, you know what, sod it. It's time. Um, and rather than ordering my usual, the week one curry standard, I was like, okay, I'm going to deviate. I'm going to get something different. And we went all in because it was basically, it was my holiday meal mm-hmm. for the week. Um, so we got onion bhajis. Um, we got, we, 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 I, I got a side of sag paneer as usual because I just, I can't do without that. So that was one, you know, bit of the regular order snuck its way in. Um, normally I go for a garlic naan and I was like, you know what? I'm just to be different. I'm just going to order a plain naan and just mm-hmm. see how it stacks up. Um, and for my main curry, I ordered a vegetable jalfrezi. Oh, I had a chicken jalfrezi for tea tonight. Mm. So, obviously a little bit hotter than my usual booner. Mm-hmm. Um, and a different character, a bit more onion-based. Um, and uh, my partner got a uh, vegetable biryani as yep. well. So... If for those unfamiliar, biryani, it's basically you get a small side dish of, of like curry in sauce, but the main part of your meal is actually the rice, and the rice is kind of spiced and has all the vegetables and things mixed in with it. Um, so I had a bit of that as well. So I was just kind of diving in on everything, basically. That being said, it doesn't beat week one curry. Oh, uh, week one curry still. I'm the sorry, reigning, I'm sorry. defending it, it, it was, it, champion. I enjoyed, I enjoyed having something a little bit different for a change. But no, I nailed that order. Uh, you know, th- uh, there's a reason I come back to it every time. Mm. So, yeah. So, 
if we if we fast forward to today, because we're recording so late, yeah, we can actually do the rare trifecta of what did you <laughs> have for breakfast, lunch, and tea tonight? <laughs> All right, the then. holy trinity. Through this, I mean, breakfast you can guess, toast and a bit of marmite. Yeah, I I um, think whenever you announce that, you need to edit in some like crowd applause. <laughs> you know. um, for lunch, I had um, a uh, vegan sausage roll from Aldi. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the price, please? Oh, you know what? I should have I should have checked. The thing is, I didn't buy it. Um, uh, uh, it was my my partner who who went shopping this week. So I'm sure I she won't mind you disturbing her and asking her, please. I think it's a. <laughs> I think yeah, she'd love that. She's in the bath right now. She'd love for me to just <laughs> pop upstairs. Just like, sorry, love. Can you just tell me how much that four pack of vegan sausage rolls from Aldi was? <laughs> I guess it'll probably be about the one pound fifty mark because it was a four pack of your, yep. you know, your standard what I would consider a half length sausage roll. Yeah, you know, index of a, finger, of a Greg's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they're very nice. You do them in the oven, they uh, and they sort of do very nicely. Uh, and then for dinner tonight, uh, baked potato. Very nice. Beans, cheese, salad, and a little bit of tuna mayonnaise. Wow. I don't know if that's is that unconventional to have tuna mayonnaise with a baked potato. No, that's like it's not unheard of, is it? No, that's a fairly common, uh, fairly common topping. Can, well, can I just ask a question, David? Yeah, of course. How how would you pronounce this name? Okay. And I promise there's a point to this. Okay. Okay. Now, I think... Yeah, don't worry. I think it's Ewan. If I spell yeah. it I-E-U-A-N. I-E-U-A-N. That would be my best guess, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to say hello to Ewan Jones? Who's literally just started following us on Twitter just then? Oh, okay. Uh, hi, Ewan. We hope we're pronouncing your name correctly. If we're not, please let us know. Well, at first I thought, is it capital? Because because Twitter has done it as just a line. I'm guessing that's mm. a capital I, not not a yeah. lowercase L. Presumably, it sounds to me like that might be some kind of like Gaelic spelling, maybe like Irish or Welsh or or something. Yeah, he's studying uh, politics. At De Montford University in Leicester. I actually yeah. went to University of Northampton when it was associated with De Montford University. So, well done. We've got something in common there. Hmm. The uh, the place I got my degree from no longer exists. Yeah. Because <laughs> he just bought it round the back of Asda. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, that leaves us with music. Oh, hang on! You, you, I, I want to hear your rundown. Your, oh, your sorry, rundown. sorry. We can edit this so, bit out, but you probably won't. I got distracted by you and Jones. Yeah, he's, he's very so, handsome. So today, so today's uh, full menu for for Matt. How did that go? Uh, for, Bearing in mind, this is you're on half term right now, aren't you? So yeah, you're in holiday mode. So for breakfast, I had a. Big cup of coffee, mm-hmm. and like an Aldi own brand penguin biscuit, but I think it was called a seal biscuit, just so you have that Arctic connotation. 
<laughs> yes, because that's so integral to the, to the concept of the penguin. Yeah. Uh, and then for lunch, my wife made me so. Sorry, I'm 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 the one going on tangents now, but I must ask because you've been to Australia. I've never I've never been. Yeah. Have you had a Tim Tam? Oh, have I had a Tim Tam? How Mate. does it compare to penguins? Because I know the reputation is it's basically a, a penguin times ten. Yeah. Like the the chocolate the chocolate is thicker, so it's more mm-hmm. structurally integral. Yeah. And. Um, it's proper chocolate, like a penguin's, like that weird chalky advent calendar chocolate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's um, as cheap as you can get. And there's like 120 different varieties of Tim Tam, but I, I stand with Australia, okay? Our friend yeah. Marty McLean is going to send us some pictures of Tim Tams this week. And, David, I, I think I might have talked about this on pod. Are you familiar with a Tim Tam Slam? Oh, is that where you drink it? Drink milk through it. Yeah, you bite yeah. the corners off. Yeah, maybe you've talked to me about that. Yeah. Or, or I've heard it somewhere else. But anyway, yeah, I, literally, if I ever set foot in Australia, the first thing I am doing is going to the nearest shop I can find and, and loading up on Tim Tams. Because I just, I need to know. I, 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 need, I need to experience it for myself. See, and what you really need, if you're going to go full Australian... Is yeah. you don't drink milk through it. You drink what's called Milo. What's Milo? Uh, it's like Australian brand Nesquik. Like right. it's basically okay. hot chocolate powder, but you just stir it into cold milk. Very nice. Yeah, that sounds like pure chocolate overload. So good, yeah. good work, Australia. But they they um, put so Milo on everything. They like they use it like salt and pepper, but for puddings, <laughs> they just chuck it on everything. <laughs> Wow, that sounds good. Uh, yeah, so for lunch, I had chicken and mayonnaise sandwich that my wife made me. Lovely. And for tea, yeah, chicken jalfrezi, a little bit of rice. Mm. Very yeah, good. that was quite Very nice. Good. Yeah, so yeah. We'll, we'll tune in next week to see if anything tops that for uh, meal of the week this week. Yeah, so That's Valentine's nice. meal is my current meal of the week. It's beaten yeah. the lasagna. Yeah. But that week is. one curry... Yeah, I think we've there. romanticised it and it wasn't as good as you think, but now we've just <laughs> like built up this image in your mind. Trust trust me, Matt, if I eat anything better this year, I will, I will be more than happy to let you and the listeners know about it. Mm-hmm. So, um, should we talk prog rock? Yes, but... <laughs> but... But... but. I made a decision midweek. I'm not going to rate or rank or criticise this music. I've listened to it all. Okay. But I I felt it was... Well, I felt uncomfortable rating something. Like, when I chose music for you, I just chose any old crap, basically. Yeah. But when it was something you were passionate about, I was like, nope. (laughs) Not going... I was going to say, I feel like I've, I've been on edge about it because it's like, oh, I've already elected for every week to basically hear you diss my favourite TV show. Yeah. And so, I thought I was potentially setting myself up for a double dose this well, week. Well, that's what I thought. I was just like, <laughs> no, not this week. I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> but I'd, I'd be interested to hear how you found it with a sort of outsider's ear, if you like. 
I've I've nothing good or bad to say about any of them, David. I'm I'm not falling. So, in... You're literally. Oh no! Come on, Matt. Nope. You got to give me something. I, 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 look, even if you've got nothing nice to say, I'd still be interested to hear because nope, it can't nope, have cause... left you completely cold. No, nope, because it's it's a trap. Because if if I say I don't like it, then you know that creates a problem. No, it doesn't. It I'm, does. I'm, I'm, Come I'm... on. It'd no, be like if I said I, I, I don't like your son. It's just, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it's something you feel very passionate about. And it's not like Doctor Who, where some bits are obviously rubbish. So I was just like, once I listened to it and had a little think, I was like, nope, not doing that. So was, so what I'm re- re- reading between the lines here is that you have nothing nice to say about any uh, of Nope, there were some I liked more than others. Okay, some... come on then. Let me know. What was there anything that? Okay, answer me this. Was there any of those bands that I'm that I um gave you songs from that you you were like, you know what? I could maybe listen to something else by them. Like, or that that's intrigued me that I might check that album out. Yep, all of them. <laughs> I don't believe that for one moment. No. But yeah, we're we're not going down that path. Oh, you big I, old tease, Matt. I made that decision midweek, and I stand by right. it. Okay. And if well, there's... Listeners, if I you've did... got any thoughts about uh, about any of those um, tracks, let us let us know, or just give me a poke on Twitter. I will, I, I will talk prog with anyone, anywhere, anytime. I did think, when I was making my tea before we recorded, I was like... Yeah. Because I was cooking a curry, I was like... As pun- as like a forfeit, as an offering to like <laughs> appease you, I was like, I might just offer to eat a full onion on air. But I was like, <laughs> no. But no, I, I just feel, I would feel uncomfortable when it's something very precious to someone for me yeah. to and offer. The, the thing, the thing with, with Prog is, like it or not, you can't dispute the sincerity. Behind yeah, I, it. I, I, I I like, genuinely, I do have some quite nice things to say about some of it, but I was like, it, it's it's just not worth the conversation. Oh, well, you know, maybe 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 it's something we can have a discussion we have it off air. But uh, like, I was I was listening to an interview with Rick Wakeman this week, and he kind of summed it up pretty beautifully. I thought when he said, you know, the thing about prog music, it's music from the head and the heart, you know. It's not music that's been made really with any kind of commercial element in mind. It's just it it's music that that kind of is striving to it has very lofty ideals, but also it's coming from a very sincere place. Mm. You know, nobody's making this music because they want to get rich off it. They're doing it because they it's something they've got to get out. You know. So that's kind of how I how I feel about it, and and um, so yeah, I can understand why why you're trepidatious about it. But, yeah. But like genuinely, I know it's not for everyone, and I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't have anything nice to say about any of it. No. Well, do you want some good news? Yeah, go on. Well, Married to Who have stopped doing the quiz at the end of their episode. So if you want, we can just bring Wheelie Big Quiz back next week. <laughs> No, we got to save it. I know, Keep we need special, something, Matt. though. We need something. I mean, do we? 
I mean, we've done half an hour without, without, you know, touching on the episode. Exactly, exactly. Um, so shall we? Are we done? Is that your is that your agenda complete? Yeah, I I just think like if you're listening to this, if you have any suggestions for what we can do to just fill this time, just let us know because we're running out of ideas. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 you are. You're running out of ideas because you want this podcast to be about anything other than Doctor Who. No, but I'm, I'm quite happy with the one original idea I had, which was that every week we would talk about an episode of Doctor Who. Do, do we start we do... splitting it and doing like two really two drops a week? One where it's just like, "Is he Doctor Who?" and then the rest <laughs> is just like, "Here's how wonderful life is." <laughs> I say here's how wonderful life is, but I make life sound so mundane. It's like, yeah, I've been to the shop and I'm, uh, I'm a little bit curious about the pricing of these sausage rolls. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, um, we need we, we, we need sponsorships. We if we were like selling Casper mattresses and Harry's razors, yeah, that'd be good. I mean, every podcast apart from us seems to be selling those. I know. You know what? I'm kind of. I'm weirdly proud of the fact that we that that uh, we we are very unlikely to ever go down the route of of uh, advertising or patrons or any of that kind of stuff. I kind of like just putting something out, you know, just for the sake of it. Yeah, which is what this is. You, you know. know, like we've. We've done our little bit for charity. We've put more in the world than we've taken out, I like to think. Oh, well, I hope so. I feel like that's that should be everyone's goal at the end of it, shouldn't, shouldn't it, really? Um, yeah. Anyway, on that note, shall we talk about Under the Lake? Yeah. Yeah. How, what, what are your thoughts on Under the Lake? Well... It's really hard for me to talk about this one in pure isolation because obviously I have the benefit of knowing what the second part is like. Mm-hmm. But I will try and keep that under wraps for now. Uh, what I will say is that I think it's a very strong opening part. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, your mileage may vary. If you don't like based on deceived style stories, I mean... You're off to a bad start with this because this is very much in the classic base under siege mold, but I think it has enough that's interesting and unique about it, and and it's got that that um, the advantage of I think a strong script and a very strong supporting cast as well, mm-hmm. and I think that combined elevates it above your more bog standard base under sieges. Yeah, and I think it sets up the mystery nicely, and you know has a good sense of atmosphere to it. So overall, I, I in isolation, I'd say good episode. Yeah, I think I, I think I'd agree. One thing I would say yeah. is when watching this, I forgot it was a two-parter. Ah, and when I got to the end, well, not the very end, but about twenty seconds before the end. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you get the big cliffhanger. I was like, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Is he literally just going to nip back in the TARDIS and fix it all in ten minutes? Yeah, I was just yeah. like, what? And then I, I did remember. Yeah. 
I did remember. And we'll we'll talk more about that cliffhanger when we get to it. But but yeah, so is it is it got you has it got you hooked? Has it got you intrigued for where part two might go? Yeah, I, I must say I did like this episode. I think I would rank it probably more good episode than good episode some bad bits. Yeah, I don't really have any like major criticisms of it. Yeah, like nothing stands out as being terrible. But I do get the feeling moving forward, it's probably one of those episodes that doesn't stand out a great deal. And it might once I've seen the second part. Yeah, yeah. Certainly it feels, you know, we had all of that teasing about the hybrid and stuff like that. And this episode is just like, you could plunk this anywhere in any series of Doctor Who, you know, other than the fact that Clara's in it and, and it's the 12th Doctor and that obviously puts it in a certain chronology. But you know, if you swapped the Doctor and swapped the Companion, you could almost slot it in anywhere. Um, should should we have some some listener opinions? Oh, uh, yeah, if you want to start off with those. Uh, yeah, because I think pretty much I just said I'm going to sit down and watch this. What, what are people's thoughts? So, yeah. unlike last week where they basically all talked about the same part, they're a yeah. bit more general this week. Um yeah. Right, so first to reply was Kimberly, yeah. who says, I can't really comment on this as I don't think I've seen it. That's, that's helpful, isn't it? Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thanks for listening though, Kimberly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get those numbers up. Listen to us twice, <laughs> and then we might get some sweet monetization. Right, then we have Frank who says he loves these ones. It could have been really goofy, but they pulled off the concept extremely well. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. We then had our friends at Married to Who. Do you want to say hello again to those, David? Hello. We're just going to leave that there? I think so. Excellent. So... They said, it might be hard to see without watching the second part, but it's one of the very few stories where the secondary characters are properly fleshed out and very well cast. Mm-hmm. Totally agree with that. Yeah, I would say, um, if we're talking, if we're comparing to other base under sieges, I think you've got to go all the way back to Impossible Planet and Satan Pit to find a, a base under siege story with... As a comparably well-defined cast of supporting characters. Yeah, I feel as we talk through, we'll discuss each one in turn. Yeah. I, I have made notes on each one. Yeah. The fact that you can do that, I mean, compare it to, say, I don't know, like, uh, Rebel Flesh, Almost People. Mm-hmm. Where can you even can you even like picture anyone who was in that? Can't even remember what episode that was. Is that the That's one where the... they're all made out of milk? Yeah. Right. So, we then have Chris, who says, It's definitely one that I appreciated a lot more with rewatches. On mm-hmm. first viewing, you probably won't like it, but then every time I've gone back, I've been like, oh yeah, that was really clever. Yeah, no, I'll be honest, I it, I liked it on first watch, but then again, I'm a sucker for a base under stage, you know. E- even the le- the ropier ones, it's just a format I quite like, so it, I'm, I'm, I'm an easy sell for, for those kinds of episodes. Mm-hmm. And then the last one comes from your favourite listener and mine, Marty McLean. Yeah. Do you want to say hello to Marty, David? Hello, Marty. There we go. 
So he yeah. says, you've probably already recorded due to the time zones, but this is his favourite ever base under siege story. Ah. And he says the cliffhanger um, still hmm. makes his skin crawl every time. Wow. Um, we we can't yeah, really discuss the cliffhanger till we get there, can we? No, we'll, we'll save the cliffhanger talk for later. And I don't know whether... I've never thought to kind of rank base under sieges in my head. Um, it's up there for me, certainly. Mm-hmm. It's up there with the best of them, I think. Um, but yeah... Great. Well, it's all all pretty positive, really. Yeah. Um, Marty, so nice. Marty also says that uh, he listened to last week's episode and our banter never fails to put him in a good mood and he's officially petitioning to bring back the Wheelie Big Quiz. <laughs> oh, you'll have to wait a few more months yet, but uh, I'm sure it will uh, make a grand reappearance at some point. Yeah. Um, so... Quickly, just to run through that, because I don't think we've mentioned yet who wrote this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Toby Whithouse. They ring bells? Uh, it's one I recognise. I couldn't tell you what yeah. he's written. School Reunion, God Complex, um, Vampires of Venice. I'm trying to think if there's any others in between. He's one of the... He, he's, he pops up fairly regularly. Mm-hmm. He's not like Mark Mark Gatiss, you know, who just gets handed an episode every series like clockwork. Um, but he's he he makes the cut pretty often. Yeah, I think God Complex was his last one before this, which I also rate very highly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you like that one a lot more than me. I think I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you might enjoy that one more on a rewatch. Because you're going to rewatch all of these, right? No such thing as a rewatch to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's probably enough preamble. Should we just get stuck into this one? Yeah. So this is Under the Lake, episode three of season nine from the 3rd of October 2015. Yeah. We're, we're, we're closely approaching, like, being within five years. I'm so excited. Yeah, I, I'm, I was talking to you um, off pod recently. I've been tidying up our episode schedule and kind of I've, I've made some changes to reflect the fact that I think going forwards with just every two part we're going to be doing as a uh, episode by episode mm-hmm. for, for various logistical reasons. Uh, but that means that we will, if the rumours are true and series 13 as in the autumn of this year and will comprise of eight episodes, we will be catching up to where the show will be in, in about March, 2022. So ab- about a year from now. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. So, yeah. It's uh, there's, it's almost light at the end of the tunnel at this point, isn't it? Yeah. What if it gets canceled? I will cry for a month. <laughs> Funnily enough, when you said there we were talking off pod, we raised this uh, a few weeks ago. Still don't have your phone number. <laughs> we have been talking off pod. Look, the thing is, I will forget. I will forget right back because no, that's I'm as I'm guilty like. as you are. I'm not. Like I'm not saying this is all on you. Yeah. Look, I'm going to give it to you now. Right. I'll, I'll edit this bit out. So I'm not giving it out there. No, no, no. Look, Send it to me afterwards. 
I'm going to write it at the end of my notes. So when we finish the episode, the last thing I will see is mobile number. Right. All right. That way, we don't have to break stride. Mm. All right. So then. yeah. So uh, written by Whithouse, directed by Daniel O'Hara. Mm. Now there's a name. Maybe I, it... I don't but... recognize. No, I think this might be. I'm trying to think because it's not one that jumps out at me either. I don't pay as much attention to directors as writers usually. Uh huh. Because, you know, I, I can't help but watch a lot. A, a lot of the TV that I consume, I kind of like look at through through a kind of writer's lens to an extent. Um, but. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I've got no, I've got no qualms with the direction of this episode. I don't think it's like the standout feature, but it's it's solid work. Mm-hmm. Right, we'll have to email that to Daniel O'Hara. He can put that on his uh, IMDb. <laughs> um, all right then. Do you want to kick us off, Matt? Right. So we begin at the drum. Yeah. Which is a Scottish underwater mining facility. Yeah. Okay, we're in the year 2119, and we know that because we hear, like, a captain's log. Mm-hmm. And there is a craft of unknown origin being investigated, because of course mm. there is. Yes. It, it wouldn't be a Scottish underwater mining facility <laughs> without one, would it? <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so... I've just said there's some sort of marking as something runs about. Mm. And we see a reflection of a weird dark-eyed man. Yeah. And it attacks... I think is his name... Goo? Oh, no, I've written Crewman. I couldn't read my own writing there. I thought, Mm. is his name Goo Man? But no, it's Crewman. Crewman, yeah. And all holy hell breaks loose as the ship engines fire. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it all goes a little bit, just a little bit mad for a minute there. Yeah. Yeah. So we see the squadron leader of this mm. underwater team, and he is also now a dark-eyed ghost. Mm. Yeah. Roll so, credits. Yeah. Nice setup. We know exactly what we're dealing with. Yeah. You know, ghosts. We're doing ghosts again. It's been a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but you know, you know, my usual go-to of like, it's always alien. Yeah. Even at some point in here, the doctor like goes, "No, this time it really is ghosts," and I'm like, <laughs> "Pull the other one, Capaldi." All right. I know what yeah, your game it's, is. It's not ghosts. It's no. not gonna be ghosts. Imagine um, if it was. It would be a different TV show. Yeah, because even yeah. when Danny Pink was a ghost, he wasn't really a ghost. No, no. I mean, I think that's one of the things that's interesting about Doctor Who is it it kind of, it pokes and prods at the idea of death from a lot of different angles um, and in interesting ways. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, we never quite cross over into that realm of the pure supernatural. Yeah. There's always got to be some kind of bogus just, scientific explanation for it. Just once. <laughs> like, for years I said I wanted a Frankenstein, but then when yeah. they did, it was that weird cowboy mm. Frankenstein. Yeah. What about just, like, a goblin or something? What, what would it be? 
Let me think. What would be the, like the best? A chimera. Yeah, but you could have like a you could have a man made like similar to a Frankenstein, isn't it? Like it's sort of man made thing. What about just a literal wizard? No scientific explanation. They can just do magic. Yeah. No technological things. Just a wizard with a with a long beard and a pointy hat. Oh, what if they just did do the Christian God? Oh, that would be something. I, I was but adamant. Yeah. I was adamant. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So ghosts, ghosts yep. on a on an underwater base. So three Here days later, the TARDIS appears. Yeah, and the Doctor says that the TARDIS is not happy. Mm. I was worried we were going to get another episode like the Doctor's Wife, where a uh, lot of rubbish. <laughs> um, but the Doctor doesn't know why it's brought he and Clara to this base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the Doctor goes all CSI in the canteen. He's, you know, touching every surface, investigating, looking for evidence. Mm-hmm. But he refuses to high-five Clara. Yeah, Clara's getting a bit giddy. And, uh, yeah. And what did you make of that moment? Uh, I thought it was good because, you know... All we've wanted is for the Doctor and Clara to hug. And then they've subsequently hugged again when they were reunited. Mm. But I like the fact that he's still a little bit... You know, he's not touchy-feely. But also, in this example, he's too busy... He's too wrapped up in mystery, isn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, I quite like that. And in the canteen, they find the ghost team leader and the Victorian gentleman. Yeah. And the ghosts aren't immediately hostile. So that's why the Doctor thinks, oh, it could be ghosts. But Mm -hmm. we know it's not. They then investigate the discovered ship from earlier. Yeah. And the TARDIS... Looks looks a bit like a sort of tiny apple shop. Yeah. Everything's white. white. Yeah. Yeah. Bright lights, white plastic, you know. And then it's got that writing on the wall that the TARDIS can't translate. It can't decipher. Yeah. Okay. Again, that kind of brings back memories of um, uh, the Impossible Planet. Yeah, it could be like before. In the Impossible Planet, isn't it? Because the language is so primitive and early. Yeah, it kind of predates Gallifreyan. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. That's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. So the ghosts appear again, and this time they arm themselves and begin to hunt the Doctor and Clara. Yeah. Who are saved by the rest of the crew. So, should we just talk through it? I feel like, as well, the fact that they pick up weapons, that's your first tip-off that it can't just be ghosts. No, it's poltergeists. Is it? That's why I thought the Doctor was going to go, these aren't ordinary ghosts. They're poltergeists. <laughs> yeah, but even poltergeists—they're not—they're not like they're lit. It's not like they're literally just picking stuff up carefully and using tools, no. is it? They're more just like whirlwinds of chaos. I'm, I'm sure I've asked you this before. Have you ever seen a ghost? No, because they don't exist. I know, but have you ever believed that you've seen a ghost? No, because I don't believe they exist. Okay. 
Right, I'll just cross out all the <laughs> stories about when I've seen a ghost. Just cross those notes out. I believe mm. that you believe you've seen ghosts, Matt. Uh, I'm not certain. I'm, I'm just certain the truth is out there. Yes, it is out there. I've just told you it. Ghosts don't exist. Oh, man. In some <laughs> ways, you're a real Dana Scully. <laughs> I suppose so. Um... Right. Is it? Oh, you know what? Confession time. I've never seen the X Files. Really? Yeah. Oh man. I, I probably should. I think I'd probably enjoy it quite a lot. Yeah, but it, it's so nineties. I don't think you yeah. could go back. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. I remember being intrigued by it, but my my parents being like, "No, you can't watch that." And I was too good a boy to just be like, "Well, I'm just going to stay up late and." Watch it, whatever you know. I, just I, I remember I when when it first came out because I would I would have been quite young. I was probably like yeah. ten, eleven, twelve, and everyone was saying, "Oh, you've got to watch the X Files," and I remember watching it, and I was probably not old enough to really fully understand. I was like, "What is going on yeah. here? Is this aliens yeah. or something?" And then when I watched it a little bit later, I was like, "It's really good." Yeah. No, I think I'm I'm probably going to give it a go one day. It just just you know haven't quite carved out the time for it yet yeah like speaking of old tv mm. at the minute my wife is working her way through the oc have you ever watched an episode of the oc david matt do you really need me to answer that question for you well i don't know <laughs> no i've never watched the oc i'm aware of it but i've, oh, I've, man. Never, I've never had Fun, funnily enough when i put on my twitter that i was watching the oc the only person that replied was jake from married to who <laughs> and you know i wouldn't necessarily have thought he'd watched it that's why i asked you yeah no um not 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 something that's ever really uh that i felt compelled to watch no i watched a little bit but then and this will mean absolutely nothing to you david but I remembered that Seth Cohen picked Summer over Anna, and I just couldn't watch it after that. Sure. It, it's it been like 20 years since it first aired, and I still can't believe he picked Summer Roberts over Anna. <laughs> That'll mean something to it. some of our listeners who will either absolutely agree with me or be lighting torches and pitchforks to come get me. Well, you know, you know who to uh, hit up on Twitter if you've got strong opinions either way on that. Yeah, uh, if you get if back you, on track, I was going to so... say if you want to discuss the OC, I am at Runcible Moon on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> right, so let's talk about the crew. Let's do it. So we'll start with Cass. Yes. Okay. Who, at first, I thought was going to be just. It sounds horrible, but I thought it was going to be a one-dimensional deaf character. Yeah. I thought it was... You know how sometimes it's just like, uh, we need to differentiate the crew, so let's give one of them a moustache, and the other yeah. one is really short, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so, so, so just use, using disability purely as a point of distinction. But then when um, I looked into it, yeah, the actress that plays Cass is called Sophie Stone. Yep. And she is the first deaf student to attend RADA. Yeah. So, and she... Uh, let's just get it out there now. She's fucking brilliant in this. Yeah, really good. Really like, good. The fact there's... You know, you've got a character translating for her, but frankly, you don't need it half the time. No. Her her, her expressions, and when she's doing her sign language, the, the, you know, 
the way in which her hands are moving imbues it with with the same kind of meaning that you get from the tone in someone's voice. Yeah, if that but makes sense. It's her being deaf isn't portrayed yeah. as a disability. No, no, it's just it's just part of who she is. Yeah. And it could have been handled so, so poorly. Yeah. And, and actually, I'll, we'll get to it later, but later in the episode, it's actually an advantage. Mm. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's not like they're ignoring her disability, but, or, or not, then it's not like then they think that the best thing is to not even let it factor into the plot. It does factor into the plot, but it factors in a way where actually it's a benefit that, that she's there because she's able to lip read. So, mm. um, yeah, it's it, uh, great, great casting. But you know, perfect example of how to represent disability. I think, um, mm-hmm. in in an effective way. Um, so yeah, so so we, moving off of cash, we talk about is it Lun? Is Lun? The... I've just written. Yeah. After we've just said, I'm glad she's not one dimensional. Here yeah. we have sign language man. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you you get you get a better sense of Lun slowly throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. I think by the end of it, you get a you you've got a much more rounded view of, of him than you do at the start. But uh, yeah, he uh, early on he's he's kind of he's just there to to be kind of uh, a translator for for Cass. So another well rounded character is O'Donnell, Scottish yeah. lady. <laughs> Scottish lady who is a bit of a fangirl, mm. the Doctor. Yeah, yeah, I thought we'd got rid of those. <laughs> thought when Osgood got blammoed. But... Yeah, but uh... now no, she's good. She's good though. Um... This is where yeah, my my descriptions get even poorer because yes. we then have Bennett, man with glasses. <laughs> I mean, well, he does, I suppose. Yeah. But, but he's he's your token boffin. Yeah. And we then have Pritchard, who is... At first I wrote, he's an odd science man. But then yeah. I've written, he's yeah. a company man for Vector Petroleum. Yeah. Now, if you're going to accuse anyone of being one-dimensional, it's Pritchard, I think. Yeah. But who gives a fuck? He's, he's a dickhead. You know, uh, I don't think there's. I, I don't see the harm in portraying capitalist dickheads as capitalist dickheads. Yeah. So that's that's our team. Yep. So the doctor tells them that the ghost is a cowardly, non-hostile race. Now, oh yes, the the uh, the one that you referred to earlier as a Victorian gentleman, yeah. the Tivoli. Well, do you remember the Tivoli? No, have we seen them before? Is that yes, in the God Complex? So is the that the guinea pig David... man, David Williams? Yeah, played played by David Williams. Yeah, yeah, same race. Oh right, right. I was going to say because it didn't seem cowardly or non-hostile when it was chasing him with an axe. No, well, that's, the, that's exactly the Doctor's point. It's like it's it's confusing. It seems to be acting out of character. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, they're just a you know Toby Whithouse being like. I quite like it when, when, you know, Doctor Who writers kind of stick to their guns if they've added a thing into the into the wider Who universe. They're like, you know what? No, this is a good idea. I don't care that nobody else has done anything with it in the meantime. I'm sticking it back in. Yeah. Yeah. 
Sooner or later, someone in Big Finish is going to write a Tivolian story. <laughs> Like, what do you think would be the worst thing to bring back? Oh, out of anything from Classic Who? Just out of anywhere. Because immediately my mind thinks of... What's the Olympics one called? Oh, I can't even remember what the alien in that is called. No, what's the episode called? Oh, Fear Her. That's it. But then, like, I think if you brought that back, at least we'd get some explanation. Maybe. You I'll know, tell you what, who I, out of, out of New Who, Adipose. And it's not because I didn't like Partners in Crime, but that is a one and done idea. Yeah, little fat I babies. I don't need them back. Yeah, I don't need them back. Yeah. No. What if they came back but they were horrible, like evil? No, just don't do it. Some things are just best left, left alone, aren't they? So I would definitely put that in that camp. Um, but yeah, so... The Doctor's kind of, yeah, piecing it together and being like, you know, well, you've got this this alien race acting out of character in ghost form. Yeah. So they all run away and hide in a Faraday cage. Yep. And the ghosts can't enter. Yeah. And we find out that the ghosts also only appear at night. Yeah. So we're sort of getting the rules of the enemy here, aren't we? Yeah, and, and, and like I say, only appearing at night. Okay, great. Classic ghost rules. Can't enter a Faraday cage? That seems very specific. Yeah, you know. Well, like I say, you're going to have to put something in. Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not you criticizing that. You can't just that, say, but what I'm saying the, is, these are just what, ghosts. No, no, that's the thing. But what, what I like about this episode is that it's slowly kind of... You've got this central mystery. Are they ghosts or are they not ghosts? And if they're not ghosts, then what are they? So, and and all through the episode, you're getting this kind of drip feed of information of like, you know, things in the, to put in the could be ghosts column and things in the that doesn't sound like ghosts to me column. You know what I mean? Um, and and I, I actually kind of like that sort of guessing game element of this story. So Pritchard, who we've mentioned earlier. Yeah. Refuses to abandon the mining equipment. The Doctor, I can't remember if it's the Doctor or the crew, who basically suggests the best thing to do is we just retreat, we abandon the base, and formulate a plan. But Pritchard refuses to do that. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the line, but I've written it down as peanut allergy. Good line. So there must be something said about peanut allergies which are good. Um... (sighs) Yeah, it was it was the doctor. He was oh, I can't remember the, I, I, exactly, but the people were just kind of listing all of the problems. Basically, he was just like, okay, right, and you've got a peanut allergy. Like, ah, you yes. anything else to add to it? No, you've said um, it. Yeah, no, I'd say there is there are some great lines from Capaldi in this one. Mm. Ah, that's it because he says, uh, yeah, we're fighting ghosts in an underwater nuclear reactor. Yeah. Just when you think it couldn't get any worse. Can I just check, has anyone got a peanut allergy? <laughs> yeah. So, the nuclear reactor powers the mining facility. Yeah. And when he's... We get this bit where I think Capaldi's really good, where he's digesting all the information. Mm-hmm. You know, he almost goes a little bit Sherlock Holmes, you know, just talking himself through 
what we know and trying to form links in yeah. the information. So he questions where all the stuff from the spaceship's gone. So he says, if the pilot was on board, it would be in a suspended animation capsule. That's not there. There's yeah. a fuel cell missing. Okay. Yeah. And when he thinks through all this, when he's trying to rationalize what's happening, the only conclusion he can reach is the doctor deduces that they really are ghosts. Yes. I've written, I bet they're fucking not. (laughs) (laughs) It would be surprising if they were. I also like that when the Doctor says this and it isn't taken well by the crew, that Clara's prepared little cards for him. (laughs) Where he's like, I am sorry for your loss. However, there is immediate danger and we (laughs) must work together. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, and you can, like, people have sort of freeze frame. There's some good gags tucked away in, in, in the cards. I won't list them all now. Um, you can do that on your own time, listeners. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, there, there's there's some great, great little sort of, like, uh, hidden gags if you can be bothered to freeze frame on, on the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's a nice, again, it's that nice sort of nudging along of Capaldi's characters. They're not, like... It's not like they've rewritten him and suddenly made him into a cuddly uncle. He's still, like, really crap at the touchy-feely side of things. Mm-hmm. But he's trying. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the big leap from last season, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's remembering to try now, with a bit of help. So the base then enters night mode. So it has simulated day cycles because yeah. it's under the lake so um you know in order to keep people on a day night cycle it enters night modes and the ghosts can appear yeah and then we hear and i think this might be the first time i've heard it the tardis cloister bell definitely has featured before i don't know whether they specifically referred to it as such in new who before Mm -hmm. um but yeah um just it lets you know that the TARDIS, fe- TARDIS is feeling grumpy. Mm-hmm. So um, that reminds it, me... Coincidentally, my ringtone. Is it? Yeah. Well, it reminds me that our other friends at the tar- the Cloister Bell podcast... Yes. They are... I think they've had a little extended break over, like, Christmas. And uh-huh. their newest episode released today. Excellent. And they are looking at... Co- the Colin Baker period. I think their next few episodes are all Colin Baker stories. Nice. I, I need to catch up on Cloyster Bell. They, they're, they're, they're good lads. Yeah, I like to use them yeah. as like an education in Classic Who. Because it, yeah. there's no spoilers in listening to old Doctor Who, if you know what I mean. Not really. I mean, like, I mean, even if it's what they cover one that we might eventually want to do on this episode on, on this show, like you'll have forgotten all the yeah, stuff exactly. by the time we get to it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, definitely worth listening to. Good blokes, good blokes. Yeah. So, the TARDIS wants to run from the ghosts. Yeah. And the Doctor sort of has a fiddle with the TARDIS to stop it leaving. <laughs> And he notices how excited Clara becomes at the thought of yeah. dealing with the ghosts. Yeah. And he realises that she's becoming too much like him. Yeah. In, in that she's now 
thriving on the danger and seeking the adventure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because earlier in the episode, like, you know, when she's first stepping out of the TARDIS, she's sort of like getting giddy and, and, and asking, you know, come on, let's have some more monsters and, you know... I mean, how 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 are you reading that? What do you think's behind all of that with Clara? I think you know, it, the thing that grounded her in the past was the relationship with Danny. Yeah, and that's now over. So the only thing really, other than her teaching job, which you know I can vouch for, isn't worth being the only thing in your life. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't imagine teaching alone particularly prepares you to, for dealing with grief. No, so I think, <laughs> you know, she's just looking for, firstly, something to take her mind away from the loss, yeah. but also, you know, a, a bit of purpose. Yes, yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, the, obviously it's starting to be a little bit of a cause for, for concern for the Doctor here. Yeah. You know, and he says to her that, you know, I have a duty of care. That's it. She, she's she gone from yeah. being help to almost, not being reckless, but just being a little bit too excited by the threat and the danger. And Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. We then see Pritchard again, who's the company man who's hunting the missing power cell. Yes, because he's presu- he's he might as well have like big cartoon pound signs flashing up in his eyes. Yeah. At this point, you know. <laughs> I know, like it's not his company. Why does he care so much? I just thought he was like a high level executive, just like. I mean, I think I think he I think he is, but I think basically he gets paid. For results, mm-hmm. and he's laying claim to basically anything on the base that can they can make money off of. You know, he's going to see a percentage of that. Um, I don't think the rest of the crew are. I think they're basically just like hired hands, like yeah, like military. Um, but yeah, so so he's yeah just poking about by himself looking for this alien power cell that could potentially be you know i i remember once i i I got in i'm gonna go off on a tangent here no go on i I once got into loads of trouble when i worked at b and q yeah and a customer once asked me where in the store they could find decent fence panels and as a joke i just went oh you want to get to home base if you want decent (laughs) fence panels i was like you know a bit of lad Banter. I was like, oh, you won't yeah. be finding decent ones here. You want to get a home base? <laughs> yeah, I got taken in the office and screamed at for that. <laughs> so, yes. Pritchard, when he's on this hunt, is yeah. accosted by uh, Moran. I don't think we've mentioned the name Moran, but he's the leader of this team who's now a ghost. Yes. Who locks Pritchard in an airlock and then floods it. Yeah. R.I.P. So, Pritchard. Yeah, goodbye to bad yeah. rubbish. Yeah, no, no great loss in the grand scheme. He was, he was not going to be of much help in this mission. Let's be no. honest. But then we see Pritchard apl- approach Clara and Bennett, yeah. who are like, "Hello, what's what's going on with you?" And then when they look out the window, they see his corpse float past. Yeah. So he's nice also a dark-eyed ghost now. Yeah. And we find out that they can only touch metal. Yeah. 
it's a quick turnaround, isn't it, from dead to ghost in in this uh, situation? Well, I've, I've never really thought about it. I mean, I'd like to think if I died, I'd at least get to the pearly gates. Yeah. I, I wouldn't like to think, oh, I'm dead. Straight away, ghost. No hope of heaven. <laughs> like, yeah, All right, stuck. I suppose I'll yeah. wander around and haunt my family for a bit. <laughs> I don't know, if you yeah. were a ghost, would would you haunt... I would genuinely. I would be like, oh great, I could get a bit of reading done. Wow. I'd find, I'd take my, I'd, I'd haunt a library. Just wow, you'd be like it. the woman out of Ghostbusters, the horrible like lady in the library. Ah, uh, it's so long since I've seen Ghostbusters, I can't even picture that. But I, there's a ghost in the library, is there? Yeah, it's like one of the yeah. like famous scenes from Ghostbusters. I have not seen Ghostbusters since I was like 12. Uh, do you know what? Today, th- this is again going off on a tangent. Today, yeah. I started playing Grand Theft Auto. I haven't played it in a while. So I was like, yeah. I'll, I'll, I've got a week off. I don't, there's no new games to play. I'll play that. And right. when you drive around, you can like change the radio station in the car. Mm-hmm. And it plays you know, real songs. There's different radio stations. Yeah. And one of them's got this weird song I've never heard before by Bobby Brown, who's uh-huh. just rapping about the film Ghostbusters. Like, why is that in Grand Theft Auto? <laughs> I imagine, I could be wrong, I imagine with the with the radio stations in Grand Theft Auto that they, they'll approach certain major labels and be like, okay, can you give us like a bargain uh, package? A few hits, a few more obscure ones. Yeah. And we'll just kind of like, we can bundle them together. So like any artist you want to promote or whatever, they'll probably just do it that way. That's how I do it anyway. Nah. So. I, I'm slightly upset it didn't have uh, Ninja Rap by uh, Vanilla Ice. Yeah. Did you know that was the first rap song to ever get to number one in the UK? I didn't. Uh, Ninja Rap from the film Ninja Teenage rap. Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 by Vanilla Ice. Wow. There's a pub quiz question for you. <laughs> Indeed. Right. So So anyway, yeah. Pritchard's ghosting it up. And as you say, they, they can they can touch metal now. Yeah. Or we know we've seen them touching metal objects before, but specifically that is all they can touch. So O'Donnell reestablishes day mode, so the ghosts yep. disappear. And they begin to review footage of Pritchard's death. The doctor says that the ghosts are learning. Okay, yeah. so rather than simply grabbing axes to attack, they're now manipulating the systems within the base. Yeah. So Cass plans to retreat again and save the crew, abandon the base. Yeah. Okay, but we find out that there'd already been a rescue um, beacon sent. Yeah. 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 The, the, uh, the, a submarine had been dispatched. Yeah. Now, am I right in thinking the reason the ghosts had summoned that would be so they could board it and reach the surface and leave the base? Because currently the ghosts are as trapped as anyone else. I don't think it's made explicit. I don't think we know at this stage exactly why. Mm -hmm. But But obviously it was sent in Morse code, so they would be capable of doing that. Yeah. Because obviously we've, we've seen them like silently mouthing words but they haven't managed to like vocalize anything yet yeah 
So the Doctor cancels the sub and quarantines the base. Yeah. Okay, so he tries to work out the difference between the night cycle and the day mode. Okay, what is the difference? Why can the ghosts appear at night and not at day? Yeah. Okay, so he wants to switch the base back to night mode so he can capture a ghost. Yeah. And then there's a little chase where the ghosts are running after people. So Bennett acts as the bait who lures the ghost to Clara. She leads them to Lunn who leads them to a flood door, okay? Mm -hmm. Except the ghosts separate. One goes after Lun, two go after Clara. Okay, so Clara is safe behind a flood door, but Lun is not. Mm -hmm. And just when you think the ghost's going to get him, it drops the metal wrench it's going to smash his head in with and leaves him alone. Yeah, and I say this is the moment where you you kind of get more of a sense of, of Lun in that he just... He is so scared in that moment. He just can't speak. Mm. Like he can't even when 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 it takes him a minute, even after the ghost's gone, for him to actually confirm that he's okay. And it's not it's not just like for the drama of it. It's like he's he's so scared he just wasn't even able to speak in that moment. And like well acted. Like I don't think it was. Like you, you, I, I certainly wasn't sat there thinking like, like "Gur, what a coward!" I'm just like, "God, that must have been horrifying for him." Like that whole scene, in fact, the whole chase through the corridors and stuff, I think, is really tense. Mm. And one thing I will say that I was that stood out to me this episode that never really has before when I watched it is how much I like Murray Gold's score for this episode. He uses quite a lot more electronic stuff than he normally does. Normally, it's very orchestral, his work. You know, it's big, bombastic, you know, strings and brass and all that. But this is, it's a lot of synth-based stuff. Mm. So it has a very different flavour and a more sort of cold, clinical kind of feel, which very much fits with the vibe of this episode. So I think it's actually doing a lot of the heavy lifting in, in setting the tone for this story. Right, from there, um, where are we? Ah, so I've said that the ghosts are clearly saying something. They're mouthing something. Yeah. So I've said, I bet that the deaf lady can lip-read the ghosts and will save the day. Mm. So. Well, she doesn't save the day, but you're not wrong. That, no. that is what happens. So, Bennett lures the ghosts to a Faraday cage. Mm-hmm. And when they enter, they're chasing Clara, but it turns out she's just a hologram. Yeah. It's good that there's been no mention of holograms before this episode. Just, you know, just all of a sudden we've got that power. There have been holograms before, right? There not in this episode. Been. Not in this particular episode, but certainly it's like, it's not... It's not it's just crazy technology, is it? No, but usually they hang a hat on it and go, oh, by the way, we've got this piece of equipment. Yeah, but then you, you know, think know. last week when the Doctor made such a big fuss that he's got some new sunglasses. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I like that it, that it comes out of left field, the hologram. So you, you get the same surprise as the ghosts there. I, I, I think it would have just had no impact as a moment otherwise. So, the Doctor enters the Faraday cage with the ghosts. So, rather than trap them, he's now approaching them. 
Yeah. Uh, he acknowledges that they're unarmed, so they can't hurt him. And yeah. through his sonic sunglasses, he's feeding images back to Cass. Yeah. We haven't talked about the fact that the sonic sunglasses are back. You said you wanted regular screwdriver back next yeah. week. It's not happened. No. How are you feeling about that? Uh, I'm not a fan of the glasses. Mm. You know, I feel like whatever issues the Doctor was dealing with when he had them, he's worked through now. Well, you know, he's got them now, though, hasn't he? Well, yeah. Got but... to, like, throw away a perfectly good piece of technology. Yeah, but he could just build another screwdriver. A lot of faff, isn't it? Yeah, but there's a spare one in the bin he's got... from that got adipose hand... episode. <laughs> that's ha- got... That's coming back. Yeah, but he's able to go hands-free now. He's got both hands for flapping. Yeah, but he doesn't use his hands for anything. If anything, he puts... <laughs> I'm pretty certain he puts one hand up to the sunglasses... To use them. Yeah. Anyway, um, so he's yeah, but yeah, he has to do it because they're not um Cass isn't able to read their lips clearly enough from through the glass, so he has to step into the Faraday cage to to get a clear enough picture. And one of them tries to grab his heart, but he's okay, because obviously he's got two. Yeah. And they keep saying the dark, the sword, the forsaken. The temple. Mm. And the doctor works out that these are coordinates. Yeah. So it's, it, it works out very quickly, but I, I like that moment where it, it just it sounds like something out of like a and d campaign, doesn't it? Yeah. Like proper, like just... Clues that don't mean anything, but at the same time mean everything. Exactly, yeah. So, but obviously the doctor like works it out instantly. So the dark... Is space. Yep. The sword is from the Orion constellation. Yeah. The Forsaken is the ghosts. And then there's something about the ghosts being transmitters. Is it the ghosts? I thought it was the base. Uh, I, I don't know. Because it's an abandoned base. Ah, uh, maybe. I thought that's what, what it was. Um, uh, and yes, and the last one is the temple. Yeah, and yeah. they say, the Doctor says, well, you know, we know what three of them are. I'm sure you're all wondering what the temple is. Mm. And it's a church from a flooded town from pre-oil mm. drilling. So they basically yeah. flooded this area. So basically this was, it was a military training base. Mm-hmm. So it was like a sort of like mock-up town, if you like, mm-hmm. um, which included a church. Uh, but yeah, and, and it was sort of... It, this dam that burst flooded the base, so it was no longer useful for that. But then, obviously, they discovered the the oil reserves, which is why Pritchard and his company were sniffing around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that kind of that gives you the coordinates. Now, it's really cool the way it's worked out and stuff, right? Especially the bit I love the bit where the Doctor is demonstrating the Sword of Orion. Is like, well, from this perspective, Earth would actually be. You know, in yeah, the sword in of line. Yeah, I'm not an astronomer. I don't know whether that would actually be the case or not, but it's a cool idea. Um, so I will go with it. I have to say, getting from Earth to, to that specific abandoned military base from just the Forsaken, that seems like a bit of a jump. Mm. Like, there are a lot of abandoned places on Earth. Yeah. But 
it sounds really cool. So I just let it slide. Well, I suppose if it's <laughs> an alien race and they don't have a great understanding of Earth, they might just yeah. be using it as reference. It's the only link they yeah. can make. And I think they do make the point at this at this point as well that the as as the ghosts are increasing in number, it's kind of boosting the signal. Yeah. So you could maybe make the argument that like if it part of the thing is just making sure that, that, that if they kill enough people, keep boosting that signal that whoever finds it can like home in on that specific base. Mm-hmm. But so I don't I don't know, but um, it's it's a neat it's a neat little reveal either way. So Cass says again that everyone should abandon the base and she will stay. Yeah. Except everyone decides they're going to stay. Yeah. I like in particular. Is it? Oh, it's not O'Donnell. What's the What's the chap's name? Specky Boffin guy. Um, you mean Bennett? Bennett. I like because he's the last to relent because obviously he's it makes sense that Cass wants to stay. Lun is like, what if Cass is staying? I'm staying. Uh, O'Donnell is clearly just like up for whatevs. You know, that's her personality. Mm -hmm. Um, But Bennett is like, you know, you can see a part part of him would quite like to just be at home in his slippers Oh yeah, right he, he's one hundred percent begrudgingly staying. But 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 um, there is, me. as as the doctor points out, he's a scientist, so he has that innate curiosity, and so he just is like, "But they're ghosts. How could they be ghosts?" Yeah. And it's just like so. It's that doctor like curiosity that just hooks him in, to the point that he's going to risk his neck for it. Okay, so. They then send a drone submarine to the church. Yeah. And they find the suspended animation chamber from the ship. Right, yeah. Except the Doctor doesn't think it's the pilot. Mm. So he goes back to the writing on the ship that was up on the wall. And Cass agrees that they are weird. Yeah. There's something untoward with this writing. Yeah. And the Doctor says that they are magnets. Yeah. He said he already knew the coordinates without really reading them. Yeah. And the writing is the coordinates. And it's like, once you see it, it's implanted in your mind. He refers to it as an earworm for yeah. after you die. So once you've seen them, it'll repeat and repeat and repeat. And then when you die, that is what you will repeat. That's the transmission yeah. that they were talking about with the ghosts. Yeah, yeah. Really clever little idea. Yeah. I'm always up for a little bit of, like, you know, brain mystery. Yeah. So the ghosts then overheat the reactor, so the the base will flood, meaning they have 30 seconds to reach the TARDIS. Yeah. Okay. This is the bit where I thought, like, how are they going to wrap this up in one episode? Are they just going to get to the TARDIS and fly off? Yeah. Um, So the group is separated by flood doors and the Doctor wants to go back in time to when the spaceship landed. Mm. Okay. But the TARDIS also won't go to Clara. So the Doctor is fully cut off because Clara is also in danger. There's something wrong going on here. Yeah. And 
Clara then looks out the window to see one of the ghosts, and as it approaches, it's the ghost of the Doctor. Oh, come on. That's a good cliffhanger, right? Yeah, things are not going well down there. Yeah. What I love most about that is it, in some ways it sort of harkens back to your classic Doctor Who cliffhangers, where it's like, oh no, the Doctor's in, in mortal danger. But you're like, well, I mean, is he though? Because he's the Doctor and, and worst case scenario, he regenerates. You know? But, but in this case, it's almost like a twist on it. It's like, it's saying like, ah, the Doctor's dead. Be like, no, but he's not. How can he be dead? So it's not, it's not that you're suddenly thinking like, okay, well, how are we going to have the rest of Doctor Who without the Doctor? You're just thinking, well, how are they going to unscramble this one? Yeah. You know. It, inevitably, he's going to get out of it. And they talked about yeah. that last week, didn't they? Where yeah. they were like, you know, here's the problem. Here's how the Doctor gets out of it. Whereas yeah. here, there doesn't seem to be a crystal clear way to get out of it. No. But um, it's worth noting that uh, the Doctor says, you know, he's, going to, he's taking uh, Bennett and O'Donnell in the TARDIS to go back in time. Mm-hmm. To before the base was flooded, yes. try and get to the bottom of it. Next episode is called "Before the Flood." Ah, right, okay. So, so maybe he does go back, and there's like a whole plan. We shall see. Yeah, um, but I think that probably about does it for the, for this episode. Unless you've got any other sort of final thoughts for for Under the Lake. No, it was a good episode. Yeah, yeah. I feel we've, Um, like, breezed through it. We haven't picked out any of the, like, standout lines or anything, but it is... It it, it was enjoyable. I think it's just because it's really solid. Yeah. You know, it's it's well written all the way through. It's really intriguing. I, I like the whole... It's It feels like it really does mystery well. It just peppering you with little clues here and there and giving you answers to certain bits. It's not like it's just saving all of the the, 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 the answers for one big reveal at the end of the story. It feels like it's driving forward the whole way through. But there's always some other layer. There's always something else being uncovered all the way through. And just like, what what is going on here? So... Really, I think a lot is riding on on uh, part two to see, you know, is it going to stick the landing? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to let on what I think about that just yet. Uh, but fingers crossed for you, at least, Matt, it will stick the landing. So, yeah. Um, so uh, uh, until then, listeners, thank you, as always, for, for listening. Uh, and join us next week when we will be discussing before the flood. But until then, thank you very much for listening. Cheerio. Goodbye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.